0: Hello.
1: Hi. Wait. What do we say? What your name?
0: (laughs) Hi. I'm Amy. I'm Holly. And you're listening to My Dignity, episode seven. Episode seven. I think. Wait. We've done a whole week's worth. Well. (laughs) I mean, seven weeks worth.
1: Nearly two months.
0: I know. (gasps) Should we have an anniversary? Oh, we missed an
1: episode. We missed an episode.
0: Whoa.
1: (gasps) Today's two months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Happy
0: two-month anniversary.
1: I'll send you a card down and some flowers.
0: <laughs> oh I'm God, kidding.
1: I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> to do
0: that. I'm oh not going to do that. And then everyone would be like, who the fuck has sent you flowers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put from your secret admirer.
0: Oh, my God. I'd love that.
1: One of many.
0: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um...
1: So, how's
0: your week been? Um, I don't really know. I feel like I've just been ill all week. Like, I got over my cold, and then I gave myself food poisoning from eating kidney beans. That's um, why this
1: episode's late, by the way, like guys.
0: Yeah, when I messaged you saying I can't record today, I was lying on my bathroom floor with a pillow and a bottle of water,
1: <laughs> and I stayed <laughs> there until
0: 9pm, the me- maybe?
1: <laughs> I just sent me a photo and it's like, my new home, and it's just her <laughs> hugging the toilet seat. <laughs>
0: Wow, I'm so Mech. gross. Liability. How's your week?
1: It's been alright. been at uni. I've been working every day.
0: Mmm, fun. been busy. Not really. <laughs> mm.
1: I've been watching the new Shane Dawson documentary.
0: Oh my god, I love it. Well, I missed the last ten minutes of the last episode though because I fell asleep.
1: It's really good.
0: I'm going to re-watch it. Have you seen yeah, the merch that they're coming right. out with though?
1: I did Shane share something this morning?
0: Yeah, like the bags and the mirrors.
1: I've not actually seen it. I'm going to have a look now.
0: Oh my god. I remember they look seeing so it cool. as I was leaving
1: the house. We've been out and bought curtains today.
0: Oh, fun. Because
1: we went to Ikea <laughs> on Sunday oh, for a yeah. lamp and then we spent £300. <laughs> we went for a lamp and we spent a lot. But we got a whole new living room.
0: And we got cute.
1: It was very nice. But then we went, I was like, we need curtains in here now because. It's all classic, now. So I said we need curtains, so we're off to. Um, we went to go get curtains, and Gary's gonna put it up this afternoon.
0: Nice. So is it all up in there? Uh,
1: not yet. We're putting it up after this.
0: What are you? What are you looking on? It's on Insta stories.
1: Oh well, I was going on his actual thing.
0: It's not on this website yet.
1: Oh right, okay. I don't think he's out yet. Guess what I yet. bought today. What? Gary was like, "Oh, for God's sake, Holly!" <laughs> right? <laughs> They're little fridge magnets but it's like a ransom note fridge magnet like letters (laughs) and you can like write stuff on there
0: which no ransom note was ever written in
1: yeah (laughs) where did that come from? Mm, Hollywood
0: yeah movies
1: where all the best stuff comes from
0: all the sex offenders
1: allegedly alleged sex offenders
0: (laughs) I mean a lot of them aren't just alleged sex offenders so I feel like I'm allowed to say that
1: (laughs) Well, at least it's the story, Let's have a look. Oh my God, that bag's so cute. I know. I bet yeah. it's like forty quid, though. Just mean... the bag. Where's the mirrors? Well, I've seen the mirror on the thing.
0: Yeah, it's on there. Yeah.
1: I want the mirror. I've already asked Mum for it for Christmas. The palette. Oh really?
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna sell out. Place.
1: I know. I'm gonna have to be like, look, this is. I'll get this... it for myself, and you just you can send yeah. me the money for it because <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to wait.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But what else have I done this week? Or Dissociated Starting a Podcast. You know, my YouTuber that I like. Oh, really? Yeah, I sent her a message, like, if you want... A, I know, like, we're new to it ourselves, but if you need any help, any help with it, let us know. Yeah. Because they're British. That's cool. Cool. we see it, will be fun.
0: Yeah.
1: So, it's Halloween, and we have done some Halloween stories for you today.
0: I mean, it's almost Halloween. It's not quite. It's well, Halloween. You've still got two this whole weeks. month
1: is Halloween. This whole month is
0: Halloween. <sighs> you know what? People just keep singing Christmas songs around me, and I'm like, "No, what are you no. doing?
1: No, no, not until November sixth. Why? But yeah, Happy Halloween, everyone! Here's some boopy stories.
0: Mine's Sorry, not. No. Mine's not that Halloweeny, <laughs> but just one of them happened on Halloween.
1: Mine's very Halloweeny. Should we start?
0: Yeah, this is gonna be a long one because mine's long and yours is long. I'm assuming
1: it's murder time, right, okay, it's not that long, right, so, I am doing The Candyman.
0: The Candyman. Can. <laughs> no, it's not a
1: happy story. On Halloween night, in on 1974, Ronald O'Brien took his two children, Timothy and Elizabeth, out trick-or-treating, and their neighbour and his two children went with them, right, in Pasadena, Texas, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, both... Dina, <laughs> we're
0: both doing um American ones today.
1: Oh, we've broken the mold a bit. I know, but you're hearing American stories in British accents, so
0: <laughs> it's better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I such an don't want to say
1: that. <laughs> um, while out, they visited. Home and the occupant didn't answer the door. The children ran ahead to the next house while O'Brien stayed behind. Like the neighbor went with the kids. Mm. When he caught up with the group, he pulled out some pixie sticks and said that he had come from that. He said had come from this house. Like the guy had answered the door like really late. Mm. Um. He gave one each to the neighbor's children, his own children, and then the final one to a boy he recognized from church. Right. Mm. To five five pixie sticks. Pixie sticks for bed. I mean. Also, right, if you're offered sweets and you're with four children, why would you pick up five? And not you, yourself.
0: Yeah. And why are they called pixie sticks? I don't know, there's American things fucking weird. Dumb as fuck. <laughs> 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 what what so, actually are they?
1: They're like them sherbet stick things. So they're like rock? No, you know like we got those little packets and they're like orange, like fluorescent packets and you like oh and it's like loose powder sherbet in your mouth. yeah
0: oh <laughs> right so, yeah
1: before bed i don't know what they're called here
0: they're like straws with shit in them i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like sherbet straws i think
0: probably something normal so,
1: <laughs> before bed timothy and elizabeth asked for some of the sweets they've been given while out trick-or-treating and timothy chose his pixie stick he had trouble getting it out of the packet, so Ronald had, like, helped him pour it, like, loosen the powder and pour it into his mouth, right? Oh. Immediately afterwards, he complained it tasted bitter and drank Kool-Aid to get rid of the taste. Again, I mean, stupid name for a drink.
0: <laughs> Why not give him some water? <laughs> <laughs> Americans and their sweets. <laughs> Sorry. He's
1: like, yeah, I'm not feeling very well today, so I bought Kool Aid so they'll make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, um, it's like mountain just drink juice. water and some fruit and you feel better.
0: <laughs> Anyone <laughs> in America who needs any advice.
1: We're atting you all right now.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry, oh, we're okay. so horrible.
1: So We're on an American thing today, aren't we? Anyway, so... So he drank his Kool-Aid, that made him feel better, and then he said that uh, he... <laughs> wait no it's not funny now he's about to get really ill so <laughs> he bat- began to complain and then he ran to the hospital and began vomiting and convulsing the hospital and Brian later claimed he- to- oh fuck no <laughs> he didn't run to the hospital <laughs> <Right. sighs> calm down it's not funny so, <laughs> Timothy began vomiting and convulsing and ran to the bathroom and O'Brien later claimed he held Timothy while he was vomiting and, he, like, he went limp. Uh, he then died en route to the hospital less than an hour after consuming the candy. Mm-hmm. So, his death from the poisoned Halloween, like, sweets... I'm, I don't know why... I, I keep. I clearly copy and pasted this, because it's not candy, it's sweets. Mm-hmm. So, after eating these sweets that were, like, contaminated... Everyone obviously, like, lost their shit. So yeah. loads of parents around Deer Park, which is where they were, um, and the surrounding area returned their candy um, from the children that the children had got while trick-or-treating to the police station to check if it was laced with poison and stuff. Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie sticks he had consumed, and it's not pixie stick either, it's pixie sticks with an X.
0: Yeah, I thought sticks. so. Sticks,
1: like six, but with a T. <laughs> Uh, revealed that the pixie sticks he had consumed were laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide.
0: Of course they um, were. It's always cyanide. So
1: four of the five pixie sticks O'Brien claimed to receive were recovered by authorities from the other children, none of whom had consumed it. The parents of the fifth child, so the the one that he knew from church, mm-hmm like, were hysterical because they couldn't find this this pixie stick anywhere. When the police called the house to inform them, they rushed upstairs to find their son asleep and he was holding the unconsumed candy.
0: Oh, my God. Because
1: it was, like, stapled at the top, so he couldn't, and he couldn't get the staple out.
0: Don't eat anything that looks like it's been stapled closed if it's not meant to be.
1: I thought that as well. <laughs> like, stop eating food that literally looks open. I got, I bought some pasta the other day, right? pasta from the supermarket i went to put it in my cupboard (laughs) and i realized that you know it's got that like tear thing where you can tell if it's been opened yeah that was open i was like guess i'm not having any pasta i fucking threw it away yeah just throw it away it doesn't matter there could have been nothing wrong but why does someone need to open pasta other than take it out lick it and put it back in it was like 30p (laughs) as
0: well that's like 30p
1: yeah i was like "Mm, not worth it not worth not worth the the risk
0: and if your kid has a sweet and it's someone's stapled to the top shut, don't let them eat it. Just right
1: away. Yeah. Don't
0: open it for them and be like, "Oh, no worries." It's a yeah, tricky but we one. Just help you
1: pour it in your mouth.
0: <laughs> He's so, cyanide into his kid's mouth.
1: All five of the pixie Sticks had been opened, the top two inches—it's quite a lot. That's
0: like that much. Yeah. Had
1: been filled with cyanide powder and then resealed with a staple.
0: How would like, a staple work, though, do you know what I mean? Surely the powder would fall out.
1: I, mean, I haven't seen them. Because <laughs> the staples just, <laughs> like... They must have just held them, like, upright. So, according to the pathologist who tested the pixie sticks, the candy, the sweets consumed by Timothy contained enough cyanide to kill two adults, while the other four contained dosages that could kill three to four adults. Oh, my God. So, obviously police were like, mm, who'd you get these from? He initially told police that he couldn't remember which house he got them from. Police became suspicious of his excuses <laughs> because um, O'Brien and his neighbour both said that they only took their children to homes on two streets because it had been raining. So they mm. only went to two streets worth of houses. Um, so you'd remember. Yeah. Um, and then their suspicions incre- increased after learning that none of the homes the group had visited handed out pixie sticks that night. So they went to like each house and was like, what
0: streets to you handing out? Why would he... He gave them to his own children.
1: O'Brien claimed he revisited the home before catching up with the group. He said that the owner of the home did not turn the lights on but cracked the door open and handed him five pixie sticks. He claimed to only have seen the man's arm, which he described as hairy... The home was owned by a man named Courtney Melvin and Melvin was an air traffic controller at a Hobby Airport and did not get home from work till 11pm. So the police ruled him out when nearly 200 people confirmed
0: he was at work that night. So, oh my god, 200 people confirm your alibi. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As their
1: investigation furthered, police learned that Ronald was in over $100,000 worth of debt. And had a history of being unable to hold the job in the ten years before the crime. He had held twenty-one jobs in total, mm. which is quite a lot, yeah. especially for like baby boomers, right? So, at the time of his arrest, he was suspected of his of theft at his job in at Texas State Optical, and was close to being fired. His car was about to repossess- be repossessed. He had defaulted on bank loans, and the family home was foreclosed on. So, police discovered that O'Brien had taken out life insurance policies on his children in the months preceding Timothy's death. Timothy's death. Um, in January 1974, he had taken out $10,000 life insurance policies on both of his children. One month before his death, he took out an additional $20,000 policies on both children, despite the objections of his life insurance agency. So they were like, uh, why do you need to insure your kid for this much? Like, what's going on? And he was like... I just want to do it for safety reasons. In the days before Timothy's death, so uh, he had taken out yet another $20,000 policy on each child. So the various policies totaled about $60,000.
0: For your kids, like, what? I feel like life insurance meant to be like, if you die, what will you leave for your family? Because you weren't there to support them. Like, your kids aren't out earning money for you, are they?
1: No, you don't need to put a life... The only people that should like life insurance policies on children... Or oh, Just, like, start need... a police Children investigation. Children don't need life insurance policies. <laughs> yeah. Children don't need life insurance policies. So, O'Brien's wife didn't know about the insurance policies. And <gasps> uh, the police learned on the morning after his death, he had called the insurance company to inquire about collecting on the policies. The morning after. Oh, my God. After learning he had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to buy cyanide shortly before Halloween, police began to suspect that Ronald O'Brien killed his son. They believed he gave the other children the candy in an effort to cover up his crime. So the other children never actually ate the sweets, but the police repeatedly questioned O'Brien but he, and he maintained his innocence. Mm. So he went to trial and was found guilty because they were like, dude, what the fuck? You dumb bitch. And <laughs> I think they took something like 74 minutes or something. Oh, I love that. I love that shit. On March 31st, 1984, so 10 years after the death, O'Brien was executed by lethal injection at the Huntsville unit. In his (gasps) final statement, he maintained his innocence, stating that, that he felt the death penalty was wrong, he added, "I forgive you all, and I do mean all those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's bless blessings be always yours." During the execution, a crowd of 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison, cheering. While some yelled "trick or treat," others showed anti-death, <gasps> others showered anti-death penalty demonstrators with sweets. Oh my God! And Timothy so... is buried in. Forest Park, Lawndale, Cemetery in Houston. That is savage. And that's the Candyman. That's why, That's why. like, literally every year they're like, check your sweets because there's knives in, in the apples and there's knives in the sweets and stuff and razor blades and stuff. And, like, this is where it all comes from.
0: And there's cyanide in your pixie sticks with the so yeah it wasn't Fuck. that long mine wasn't that long oh mine's long i act so savage that they shouted trick or treat and threw sweets at them protesters <gasps> do you know what i saw protesters for the first time the other day there's an abortion clinic just down from my um house and there was people standing outside of it with signs and it just walked past
1: watching.
0: yeah and i was just looking at them like what go home go home go home
1: yeah. people aren't having a good day here You don't
0: need to make it worse. Literally. Just go home. Oh, I was so mad. I was walking past and I was like, are are they fucking joking? It was like a Monday morning.
1: Do they not have work to go to?
0: Clearly that's more important. Oh, for fuck's
1: sake.
0: Dicks. So, I'm doing the toolbox killings. And there's actually a film that came out the year before all of these murders occurred, which is, I think, the creepiest part about this, called The Toolbox Murders. So it came out in 1978 in America, directed by Dennis Donnelly and written by Anne kind- Kindberg, Robert Easter and Neva Frieden. And it was like marketed as a quote, true story. but Like it's not actually a true story, but it's um, after all of these, it was banned in the early 1980s in like the UK and a few other countries just because it was like, uh, you know. So, the actual killers I'm going to be talking about... This came out
1: the year before? Yeah. What, me? What, they think that they copied from the film?
0: Well, I don't think they actually think that, but it's, like, strangely similar, because it's called that because of, like, the tools they used, because it's, like, ones you'd find in a toolbox. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, this is a killing duo, serial killers, called Lawrence Bittaker and... Roy Norris. During, um, a period of five months in 1979 in Southern California, Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris murdered, um, kidnapped, raped, tortured and murdered five girls and the final one being on Halloween night. Hence why I'm doing it for the Halloween episode. So you know Johnny Douglas, our pal, who -hmm. wrote Mindhunter, or who Mindhunter's based off of, he, um, described Bittaker as the most disturbing individual he's ever met and this is bearing in mind he's interviewed like Ed Kemper, Charles Manson and like every serial killer in America.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah so it's pretty fucked up. So a little bit about their childhoods so Lawrence Bittaker was born in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and was an unwanted child of a couple who then put him up for adoption. And he was adopted when he was an infant by Mr. and Mrs. George Bittaker, And his dad wasn't working in the aviation industry, so they moved around a lot when he was a kid. So when he was 12 years old, he was first arrested for shoplifting. And over the next four years, he built up a substantial criminal record for, like, petty theft and stuff. And later in life, he described these as um, making up for the lack of love he received as a child. So he was quite smart. He had an IQ of 138 and found school boring and dropped out in 1957 and within a year of this he was arrested for stealing a car, a hit-and-run incident and evading arrest, so, yeah.
1: So a well-rounded individual, Yeah. all, in all really.
0: <laughs> so he spent a lot of time in um, California Youth Authority, like, um, youth prison and stuff, basically, for, like, all of these crimes and when he was 18, he was released and he found out that his adopted parents had disowned him and moved away and he never saw them again. Which is a pretty fucked up thing to do to your kid, even if he's a, like, shit yeah. person. Yeah. But, yeah. So, a while later, in 1966, two psychiatrists said he had a borderline... Borderli- he was a borderline psychopath, highly manipulative, whilst... And whilst he was in the detention facility, he was, um prescribed um antipsychotic medication but they were like oh no you're fine and released him a year later. nineteen sixty seven he was arrested again for theft and for burglary. Nineteen seventy four um arrested for assault and attempted attempting to commit a murder after stabbing a supermarket employee who caught him stealing and he was sent to California men's colony which oh is where gosh. he met yeah. So basically,
1: someone that's tried to stop him stealing.
0: Yeah, he was like, oh, fuck you, and literally stabbed him in the chest in the middle of a store.
1: That's really scary.
0: (laughs) I know. So, this is where he met Roy Norris, who was also in the same California men's colony at the same time. So, Mm -hmm. let's talk about him. So, he was born in Colorado to parents that weren't married and they then married to like avoid the social stigma of having a child out of wedlock so he had a lot of family that lived a short distance away from him and his dad worked at a scrapyard whilst his mum stayed at home and she was like addicted to like prescription medication and he was repeatedly placed in care of different foster families whilst he was growing up and then returned to his parents and then put back with the foster family so he was neglected by his biological parents and often was never fed or clothed. He also claims he was sexually abused by one Hispanic fa- foster family that he was placed with, and apparently this is why he holds prejudice against them.
1: Oh yeah, that's why. He's a nasty man.
0: Yeah, he was. He was. A, he was a dick. They were both. <laughs> I mean, I think you can get from the rest of this story what kind of people they are. Mm -hmm. So, when he was 16, he visited a female relative, one of his cousins, and was very, quote, sexually suggestive to her. And she then went and told his dad, who was then like, what the fuck, threatened to beat him up. So, he stole his dad's car, drove out to the Rocky Mountains, um, injected air into one of his arteries to attempt suicide, but the police tracked him down and caught him as a runaway, and brought him home to his parents. And, um yeah they were basically like fuck you we never even wanted kids because he had a sister as well they were like we never even wanted kids we're just waiting till you're old enough and then we're getting a divorce and we're never seeing you again What the fuck? yeah so at this point he drops out of school joins the navy where he experimented with heroin and weed and eventually he's arrested for um in 1969 he followed a lone woman home tried to enter her home but she managed to phone the police and he was arrested for attempting to commit a rape and then um, like a month later I think he actually did rape someone so he's dishonorably discharged from the navy and put in prison after he attacks a female student repeatedly beating her after like stalking her. Um, He's charged with assault with a deadly weapon and given five years in a mental hospital but he's released um, in 1975 as the doctors thought he was no harm to any others. Yeah.
1: I just
0: don't get this. No. So, somehow... Are these o-
1: people let back
0: out? I know, I know. So, three years after this, he's back in California Men's Colony. And this is where he meets... Norris and Bittica meet. And apparently when they first meet, it's um, in one of their like prison jobs. And Bittica te- teaches um, Norris mm. how to make jewellery. It's said that Bittica saved Norris from being attacked by other inmates. Um, they shared a common interest of sexual violence, misogyny, and they bonded over the fact they liked seeing young women frightened. This is what all good
1: friendships are built up off. I isn't know. It? Get these men away from each other. Like I know prisons are understaffed, but come on. If yeah. you see two murderers or rapists or whatever getting close, just, just split them up. I know. That probably sh- they probably shouldn't be having a relationship. Yeah. Of any kind.
0: So um who hadn't actually committed any like sexual offenses yet just just like hit and runs assault with a deadly weapon a lot of theft and burglar but burglary says just, to norris just hit runs. yeah not nothing too You'd bad only done
1: hit and runs just the minor with crimes
0: a <laughs> so um yeah, they bombed over the fact that they both want to rape someone and Bittica's like, Yeah, but if I rape someone I'd have to kill them afterwards, so there was no witnesses. So whenever they were alone, they started to make plans and how of like how they would do this once they were out. So they both are released from prison at different times. One of them like one of them's living with their mum and they're both smart, like they both managed to get pretty well paid jobs, but um eventually quit because they meet up at hospital and rekindle their plan to kidnap and rape young girls. They design a special van with no side windows, a large sliding passenger door, and they nickname it "Murder Mac." Yeah.
1: Describe my face right now.
0: Yeah, I wish I wish <laughs> I you don't. could see it. You're just like this, with <laughs> mouth open. So you know how like Ed Kemper, I feel like I'm talking about him a lot in this, but you know how he'd drive around and like practice picking up girls, like see if he could get them into his car and see how and that's it'd what be they like. Did. So yeah, they'd practised to going around together, um, luring girls into the van, like offering them weed, like taking they they took photos of them and like they'd come up with new like ways to get them into the van every time. So what,
1: to see what worked <clears throat> and what didn't. Yeah. Well they went up they went I mean if it was anything productive they went with a methodological approach to it i know
0: i mean they planned it it's like when you do like lab work or something like field work you know
1: yeah i don't do that that side i'm not yeah really
0: for me smart this is how you that. write like your plan for when you do like an experiment you know you do a lot of trial See, They're intelligent and error.
1: people but they're just using it for the bad, for bad yeah. reasons
0: yeah so Their first murder was Lucinda Lynn Scafer. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But she was 16 years old, and they picked her up after she was leaving a church um, meeting. So, Bittacus says that they'd just finished installing this fold-down bed in the back of their van, which underneath they kept their, quote, tools. This is why they're nicknamed the Toolbox Murderers. Mm. Um, And yeah, at about... 11am they started driving around the Rodino Redondo Beach area, smoking, flirting with girls, and they spot Lucinda at about 7.45pm. So, she does everything right, she refuses to talk to them, she refuses to get into the van, but they pull up alongside her, wait for her to walk past, and they force her into the back and they turn their radio on full volume to mask her screaming. So, they bind her um, and After she stopped screaming, apparently she like regained composure and in their police statements, they, (laughs) oh my God, they're such assholes. They describe her as having magnificent self-control. Quote, I guess she knew what's coming.
1: What does that mean?
0: Like she she knew that they were going to like rape and kill her basically. So she like completely shuts up and she like composes herself completely. Oh my God. I'm like, what a bad bitch, like.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. So. Bittaker then left Norris alone with Lucinda whilst he raped her before he returned and did the same. And before she, before they killed her, apparently she asked them if she had one last chance to pray and they were like, um, no. And the two men start arguing whether or not they should murder her or release her. And, um. Because Nor- Norris is like, no, I don't really want to murder her. But Bittica's like, no, I told you in prison, like, we don't leave any witnesses. Can you
1: imagine someone having that conversation in front of
0: you? I know. Yeah. So, um, Norris attempts to strangle her, but he ends up stopping and th- going to throw up. So, like, he doesn't want to do this. Well, yeah, I mean, he obviously does. But, um...
1: Yeah, but he doesn't want to. That doesn't- just because someone doesn't...
0: It doesn't excuse his actions. Yeah, that's
1: what I mean. doesn't excuse his actions, but he doesn't want to do
0: it. Yeah. So then Bittica finishes off the job. Um, They left her body wrapped in a shower curtain and threw her down a steep canyon so no one would find her. And they didn't, really. Not not for a while, anyway. Okay. So, their second victim was Andrea Joy Hall. Um, She was 18 years old, hitchhiking, and... um, they pick her up by just offering her a lift and she's like, yeah, sure. So, um, Bittica's the one driving and Norris is in the back hiding behind the bed so that she gets in the van and she thinks she's just alone with this guy. Um, so Norris jumps out and he describes in the interview that he's, like, actually scared because he don't think, he doesn't think he's going to be able to subdue her. as She's, like, a larger and a lot stronger and she put up a good fight, apparently. Um... But eventually he bound her and gagged her. They then drove to a secret location that they'd been driving around and, like, scouted, where um, she was raped twice by Bittica and once by Norris. Um, halfway through this, though, one of them was, like, being the lookout and they think they see headlights. So they, they drive away and they make her run naked up a hill in front of them, like, through the mountains. Um... They force her to form, perform oral sex on them and finally they take Polaroids of her whilst ordering her to beg for her life. They then drive to a third location where he, bitaka, so he stabs her with an ice pick through the head into her brain and then strangles her before throwing her body off a cliff.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. I, so it's like already like ramping up the light like, levels of violence but um yeah. Norris doesn't isn't involved in the killing part he's just involved in the frightening sexually assaulting
1: Living part yeah and the conspiracy to kill
0: yeah so next they ramp it up again and they kidnap two girls at the same time so Jackie Doris Gil- Gil- Gilliam or Gilliam, and Jacqueline Leah Lamb who are 15 and 13 years old and they're waiting at a bus stop to get a bus to the beach and they pull over and uh, offer them a lift so on the way the two girls realise that they're not heading to the beach and they become really anxious and a lamb who's 13 attempts to open the door but um she's hit over the head with a bag containing lead weights she soon regains consciousness again and attempts to like flee out the side of the van and as this is happening um they're parked outside of not in their normal secret location because obviously they're like oh like this has been fucked up so this is all happening parked outside of like a tennis court and there's actually a guy playing tennis and he sees one of the girls trying to escape but um Norris and Bittaker open the door and they're just like, ''Oh, no, sorry, the girls are just having a bad acid trip.'' And because this is in, like, the early 80s, they're de- the guys are just like, ''Oh, yeah, man, no worries. Ha-ha.'' <laughs> so, um yeah. they... the early 80s when
1: they were like, ''Yeah, just let the kids a- out and we'll just hope for the fucking best.''
0: Yeah, and everyone was on acid all of the time.
1: <laughs> Even 13-year-olds.
0: So um, they bind and gag both girls... And drive them back to this secret location and they keep them hostage and alive for two days, even sleeping in the van, in the back of the van next to both of their victims, repeatedly raping them. This time they take it one step further than just taking Polaroids and Bittica um tape records him having sex with Lan the thirteen year old, because they say she's um more sexually appealing because she's like thinner. And he makes her pretend she's enjoying it and pretends she's his cousin that he made sexual advances to when he was younger. Um, well, so they're
1: making, like, a weird porno with her, basically. Yeah. For themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So, again, um, they were eventually stabbed through the head with an ice pick and Bittica strangles them um, and this time Norris bludgeoned um, Gillian the 15 year old to death with a sledgehammer before Bittica strangles her because they were like more angry with her because she was like fighting back more because I don't know yeah. but yeah so their final victim was Shirley Lynette Ledford and this is actually um, on October 31st 1979 so this is the Halloween murder
1: Over here I am <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so she's 16 years old and she stood waiting outside like a garage or a gas station as you call it in America um, hitchhiking home from a Halloween party um, in a suburb of LA but she only accepted as arrived home with them because she recognised Bittica because he visited a restaurant where she had part time job as a waitress. So, okay. they offer her weed and she's like no. And then finally they like pull out my knife and they gag her with um tape and they drive they drive like aimlessly round for like an hour um, whilst Bittica remains in the back slapping and mocking her beating her up um repeatedly shouting at her to like say something and um when she's eventually starts screaming they're like shouting her like scream louder scream louder yeah basically being really fucked up and she's like telling them like don't touch me all of this um so they both begin beating her with a hammer taking it in turns beating her like like i don't know body parts like it says beating her breasts with their fists torturing her with pliers all of the like stuff you find in a toolbox basically and um they like get off on the fact that she's pleading them to stop abusing her and stuff and they're like shouting like scream more like come on aren't you afraid to scream and all of this stuff so yeah they record this again with the tape recorder like shouting stuff like go ahead and scream or i'll make you scream and um and she's like stop hitting me you can, like, listen to this. And Where? she's like, want this online? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't want
1: to. Wouldn't no, want to
0: no, to I this. don't. Um, and she's saying stuff like, please stop stop hitting me and then I'll scream all you want, like, I'll do anything. She's sort of, like, trying to, like, argue back with saying them. like... Yeah.
1: Yeah, like... Ugh.
0: So, um, Norris then strikes her at least 25 consecutive times on the same arm with a sledgehammer before asking like why are you snivelling and this is all on the recording in a audio tape as part of their final investigation you can hear Roy norris says um we've all heard women scream in horror films still we know that no one is really screaming why simply because an actress can't produce the same sounds that convince us that something really vile and heinous is happening if you've ever heard that tape there is no there is just no possible way that you'd not begin crying and trembling. I doubt you could listen to more than 60 seconds of it."
1: I don't think I could even listen to 10 seconds of it.
0: No. But he like thinks it's like, he's like so great that he can listen to it, and, like get off on it. And he's like, you couldn't even listen to a minute of it. Oh my God. So only two hours after she's taken captive, um, Norris kills her with uh, strangling her with wire a coat hanger, and um, which he tightened together with, with pliers. Again, hence the name "Toolbox Killers." Um, Bittker then discarded her body on a random lawn um, in order to view reaction from the press. They drove around and found like randomly selected houses and um, put her in a bed of ivy on their, on some random person's lawn. She was found by a jogger in the morning and an autopsy revealed that after being sexually assaulted, she died from strangulation after receiving extensive blunt blunt force trauma to the face, head, breasts and left elbow. Her genitalia and rectum had been torn due to pliers being inserted in her body. body.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you could do it to not even like, like another person who was alive, like that's completely different as well. Like, but to do it to like, I just you
0: know mm. what i mean yeah in november so only a month later um rory norris brags to one of his friends about this the crimes called joseph jackson who he had also been previously in jail with in california men's colony and so he then talks to an attorney and he's like what the fuck he told me all of this and um
1: yeah and i don't want to get being on it
0: yeah yeah. So he tell they yeah. his attorney then informs the police, and um, they place them under surveillance. They place them under surveillance, and within days they catch them dealing weed, and they're arrested for a parole violation. Where they then um, wait, which one of them confesses? I can't remember. Norris confesses.
1: Not straight away.
0: Yeah um in a pre- preliminary hearing in relation to a past rape um he's like shows visible signs of stress and he then um confesses to police and he's the only one that cooperates with them and tells them literally everything and obviously that quote i read to you there's from one of his um recollections from the audio tape
1: imagine sitting across the room from these people as well like across,
0: like talking to them
1: yeah not in a good way, in a terrifying, that would be terrifying way.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Roy Norris then pleads guilty to first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, two counts of rape, and one count of robber- robbery. And he's sentenced to 45 years, well, life in prison, 45 years before he's eligible for parole, and his parole was eligible in 2010. Lawrence Bittaker did not plead guilty, and he was there was a total of 29 charges of kidnapping, rape, sodomy, murder, in addition to um, criminal conspiracy, possession of a fire alarm, um, conspiracy to commit murder, basically anything you can think of. He's. Um, so. After his trial, the jury deliberated for three days and find him guilty on five counts of first-degree murder, one charge of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, five charges of kidnapping, nine charges of rape, two charges of forcible oral compulation, one charge of sodomy, three charges of unlawful possession of a fire alarm. Fire alarm? Firearm. <laughs> <laughs> So... Um, We're not allowed to carry guns here, so... <laughs> <laughs> we carry fire alarms. <laughs> so he's sentenced to death on March 24th, and a the Judge Thomas Fredericks imposed alternative life sentences of 199 years. So he obviously was, like, appealed this, and... On death row he had like a few interviews whilst he was on death row but um, he never expressed any remorse for his crimes and states he only feels remorse for the first fact that he and Norris were arrested and thus it ruined his own life
1: oh, of course like all serial killers they're not sorry for what they've done they're sorry for the fact they got caught
0: yeah so Roy Norris remains incarcerated so like they didn't let him out and oh, okay, cool. well not yet anyway
1: I don't think he would get let out.
0: Honestly, I don't know. This was quite a long time ago now, but 45 years being up in 2010 is, like...
1: It's still a long time.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, he killed how many people in total, was it? Four or five?
0: Yeah. Wait, has he been killed yet? Surely he has been killed.
1: Doing the research on the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was sentenced to... Um, death penalty 38 years ago but he's yet to to be killed he's still on death row
1: so the probability of him being actually killed is very low
0: he'll probably die of old age to be honest
1: good, I hope it's painful
0: yeah it's very difficult to include all of their lives and what happened during the trial and stuff in one episode because there's so much shit to do with them but pretty fucked up yeah it's a long one Mm Mhm. crazy but yeah, that was really joyful Halloween. Happy Halloween! <laughs> Is a good thing for this week. A what? A good thing? No. No. <laughs> I've, I've been enjoying my lectures this week. I've had a lot, a lot of soil practicals, and I um, found some soil microbes. I'll post a photo when we post this because they look really cool. I took a photo down the microscope, but um, oh, cool. it's the stuff in rice that can kill you when you do it wrong
1: if you don't cook it properly
0: yeah or reheat it
1: really yeah that's cool
0: yeah but it smells, it smells like really cool. it smells like rain on a on a dry soil so now you know it
1: smells like rain
0: rain on dry soil
1: so if you smell dry smil- soil and it smells smile if you dry, if you smell dry soil and it smells like rain don't eat it
0: <clears throat> yeah if you smell your rice and it smells like damp sort of freshly damp soil don't eat it
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Well, I mean, don't eat it anyway if you haven't reheated it properly, but, like, it probably won't always smell like damp soil, but that's apparently... Yeah, if it does... Definitely don't. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, fun fact.
1: Well, my my good thing this week is Riverdale came back. And I know you hate Riverdale, but Riverdale came back... No, but listen, so Riverdale came back, and the first episode is dedicated to the
0: the one who died
1: i think it's luke perry yeah
0: (gasps) oh no i was so sad he was the only thing keeping riverdale good for me luke
1: perry right so so the first episode is like dedicated to luke perry obviously he passed away this year and if you've like ever lost anyone like close to you i've never cried at a film as much as i cried at that episode like if you've ever lost anyone close to you like, look, I'm literally tearing up thinking about it. Like, you need to go and watch this episode because it's just so, like, beautifully done. Like, the whole episode is just about him. Like, there's nothing, mm. there's no, like, story or anything in it. It's literally just about he, like, he died, obviously, in the in Riverdale. Mm. And, like, all the actors dealing with that. And it was, like, oh, my God, it was, it was really sad. But it was, like, definitely, like, the most amazing thing. The most amazing, like, you know when you see it on TV shows where the actor dies and then they do, like, a tribute to him? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's like, you watch this and you're like, that that was amazing.
0: Yeah. The thing is, they ruined Riverdale when they did that singing episode. I haven't watched past season three.
1: It's really good. But that first episode came back and I was like...
0: Maybe I'll go back just to watch that one and not any of the others.
1: It's literally just, there's only one episode of season four on Netflix and that's it. Oh... But it's it's really like beautifully done, and like if you've ever lost anyone close to you, like it's exactly what you'd want for someone you'd lost. Yeah, yeah, okay,
0: yeah. It's um, really good. We um, you know that scene. Sorry, but you know Kate, Katie, who listens to this and always messages me that she's listening to this. Yeah. When when we whenever we were at work and something funny happened or like we wanted to laugh, we just watched that scene from Riverdale where they're in the steam room and Archie walks in and it's thingy's dad and they're like. Make it, it literally sounds like they're talking about the penis it's <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny Like it's so weird as well but on honestly oh my god that scene makes me die it's hilarious <laughs> well um bye <laughs> <laughs> if follow us anyone... on
1: Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to us and what were you going to say?
0: <laughs> I don't know if anyone has any thing I dunno. Give us your thoughts. Tell us how your day's Drop going.
1: We won't out you, don't worry.
0: Yeah. Tell me tell no. tell us how you are. i d I yeah. don't really know what I'm saying. But um <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. We will See you. Speak to you next week. <laughs> I keep saying see you. <laughs> see we'll you next speak week. See you next week. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.